0: morning in the presence of the Lord. You may wonder why I'm wearing a t-shirt today. Well, it's um, Baptism Sunday. And I thought about wearing something different than putting the t-shirt on and I thought, nah, I'm going to make it easy on myself today. I'm just going to wear it. So I hope you're okay with that. But it's our NCOG, Alive in Christ, Baptism Sunday. Shirt, And we're going to have a baptism at 11 o'clock. You are welcome to stay or come back. You can go to Sunday school and then come up and watch the baptism if you'd like and then slip out. It's okay if you'd like to do that. Um, But Lois Hawks, who is uh, Pedro and Patricia's family, Patricia's mother, will be baptized this morning at the beginning of the 11 o'clock service. So we thank God for that. Amen. And uh, we have, uh, yes, praise the Lord. Amen. And we have um, a sign-up sheet in the lobby, uh, and someone has already signed up to be baptized in July. And so if you give your heart to the Lord and want to be baptized, please sign up. Or if you have already received Christ and haven't been baptized to show that expression, that public testimony, then sign up and we would be honored to, to baptize you in July. So God is good. Amen? Easter Sunday was wonderful, Um, you may be wondering what the attendance for the day was, it was 286, so that was a great, great day, and we thank the Lord for that, amen, but even better than that, the presence of the Lord was here, right, and we just had a wonderful, wonderful day, both services were great, Sunday school was great, the Easter egg hunt was great, and it was just a wonderful day, and God blessed, and God is good, isn't he? God is good. I want to preach this morning a sermon titled, He Didn't Leave Me Alone. He Didn't Leave Me Alone. Are you glad that Jesus Christ did not leave you alone and He doesn't leave us alone? I found some statistics um, this week as I studied from the CDC and it said that one-fourth People that's about 25 percent. 25 percent of people who um, are over the age of about 45 express that they feel a sense of loneliness. Then it said about one third of people over the age of 65 express that they felt social isolation or loneliness in their lives. I thought that was a really tough statistic to look at and it reminded me this morning of the importance of reminding every single one of us as believers we are not alone. We are not alone. Jesus is with us. Jesus loves us and he left And sat down at the right hand of the Father and he is looking over us. And he said, when I get there, I'm going to send to you another comforter, another helper, the spirit of truth, a guide, an encourager, the empowerment. That person is the Holy Spirit. He is God himself. And I remind you and I remind me this morning, as Christians, we are never alone. We are never alone. So I think back to the crucifixion of Christ as we preached about that a couple of weeks ago as Christ died and how they looked upon his body, right? They looked upon him and they saw they being his disciples and his mother Mary and all the ladies who had followed him and been part of him. And it must have been a lonely time. must have been a sad time as they saw them take his body off of that cross. They probably doubted. They probably wondered, did we believe a lie? Was he really who he said that he was? What is going to happen? What is our future? They watched him as they took him and they put him in. It was Nicodemus. They call him the secret disciple. Remember Nicodemus who saw Jesus in John chapter 3 by night? And evidently Nicodemus must have believed when Jesus told him that scripture that Pastor Daryl quoted this morning. But Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea took Jesus' body and put it in a borrowed tomb. And it must have felt like the end for his followers and they felt so afraid and so alone. Jesus in the tomb for three days. But then last week we preached about the resurrection And we saw where Mary Magdalene was the first person that Jesus spoke to after he had been resurrected. And that gave hope to the vilest of sinners, to any of us, the mistakes we've made. To see that he spoke to Mary Magdalene of whom he had cast out all of those demons sometime before. I believe he was making a statement to the whole world. I died for everybody. The good, the bad, and I'll look at myself and the ugly. Everybody. We saw where there were others who were there and and Peter and John who ran to the tomb and saw that it was empty. And then they all found themselves in a room. Troubled, disturbed, worried, afraid. Are they going to come and kill us too The tomb is empty. Is he risen like he said? Or is it all a hoax? Have they stolen the body? Can we believe Mary Magdalene? Can we not believe Mary Magdalene? And then the Bible said that Jesus appeared to them in that room. What a moment that must have been. What a rush of emotion that must have gone over them. Probably fear And doubt and joy and happiness and confusion all mixed up in one. Have you ever been in those big moments of life when there's just so many emotions you can't really describe how you feel? You don't even know how you feel. And Jesus looked to them. Showing them that they were indeed not alone. Showing them that he is the son of God. Proving to them that he was alive, he is resurrected. And he looked at them and he said, peace be to you, I believe he still shows up in our rooms today. I believe he still shows up in our times of trouble, in our times when our hearts are hurting and breaking. He still shows up in the room, if I can say it that way, and says to us, peace be to you. And I believe this morning, if your heart is troubled, whatever that reason might be, it could be a multitude of reasons, it could be a multitude of things across this congregation this morning or online that are troubling your heart. I believe the risen Christ can show up to you this morning and say, peace be to you. He showed them His hands He showed them his feet that had the markings of the nails that had been driven into them. What was he doing? He was showing them that they did not have to doubt any longer. Sometimes we doubt as Christians, sometimes we struggle to believe fully the word of God or fully the promises of God or fully believe, can God really get involved and help me? Does Jesus really love me? Will Jesus really come through for me? But that day he showed them that he is legit. And I tell you this morning, He is legit. He is legitimate. And if you have any doubt about anything, turn it over to Him. Remember the piercings in His hands and in His feet and how He died for us yet rose again. We serve a Savior and we don't have to doubt. If you believe that, say amen. We don't have to doubt. He appeared to them and then He led them out. All over the place, really, he he appeared to many different groups of people. But towards the end, after about 40 days, he led them out to a place called Bethany. That was where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had lived, if you remember that story. But he led them out to Bethany. And the Bible said as he was teaching to them, as he stretched forth his hands to bless them, He was ascended up into the heavens. What a sight that must have been. If there were any that were in that multitude that day who did not believe before, I bet they became a believer that day when they saw him ascend on high. And you might say to me this morning, well, Pastor Greg, he left them alone again. He's left them again. He left the church again. Where did he go? But the good news is that promise of the ascension. We don't preach a whole lot about the ascension of Christ. We don't talk a lot about that topic. We talk a lot about the death. We talk about the resurrection. We talk about the day of Pentecost. But we don't talk a great deal about the ascension of Christ. But Jesus ascended that day, and the angels looked at them and said, Why do you stand here gazing into the heavens? Have you ever gazed before? Have you ever seen, <laughs> you ever seen people maybe sitting at the mall, people watching, and they're gazing? The angel said, Why do you stand here gazing and looking up into the heavens? This same Jesus who you saw go away shall come again. You see, he will not leave us alone. But the good news about the ascension is it means that Jesus Christ, having atoned for our sins, Jesus Christ, having risen from the dead on the third day and victorious over death and hell and the grave, had completed all that needed to be done for our salvation, was now ascending to God to take his rightful spot. Ascending to where he belonged, he and he alone. And he was seated and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Having all authority, having all access and all access pass, if you will, a backstage pass, if you will, to the Father. He did not leave us alone. Because he is seated at the Father, because he is ascended and seated at the Father. The Bible says he lives to make intercession For you and for me. That means his function, his very life is to sit there and to look after you and me. That means his very job, so to speak, is to sit there and when I pray, he is listening to my prayers and he is talking to the Father on my behalf. I think that's a blessed thought. That means when I say, God, I am so sorry, I blew it today, I need your forgiveness. That means he sits beside the Father and he looks at the Father and he says, I know how difficult it is. I have been there, I have done that, I have paid the price for Greg's sin, would you please forgive him? And he does that for you. Isn't that a blessed thought today? He lives to make intercession for us. He lives to help us. But another thing happened which is proof that he is indeed seated at the right hand of the Father. He told them ahead of time that I will go but I will not leave you comfortless. He told them ahead of time, in fact, it is expedient that I go. It is better for you if I go because if I go... I will send to you another helper, another comforter, the spirit of truth, the promise. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost is further proof that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Because the Holy Spirit was poured out on that 120 in that upper room that day, fulfilling the promise that Christ had made to them Earlier, He said, when I get to the Father, when I take my rightful place and I sit down, I'm going to send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. That is the series that we have been in, talking about the Holy Spirit. Today's sermon is beginning and taking us into a new part of the Holy, of the, of the Holy Spirit series of what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. But today I want us to see that the working and the moving of the Holy Spirit is an extension of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And not only is the working of the Holy Spirit an extension of Christ's ministry, the working of the Holy Spirit is an extension of the entire narrative of the Scriptures. You see, the Bible says that that Jesus explained to them at different times about himself throughout the narrative of the Old Testament. But he explained to them also how he was going to send the Holy Spirit. So the, the moving of the Holy Spirit is not a new thing. It's a very misunderstood thing, isn't it? There are so many, even believers, who... Maybe just get confused or get a little afraid or get a little hesitant about the Holy Spirit and that topic. But I'm here to tell us this morning that the Holy Spirit and His ministry is an extension of the ministry of Jesus Christ. There's a slide that they can put up there for us this morning. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is not only just an extension of Jesus' earthly ministry. But his ministry is endorsed by Jesus Christ. All of these quotes that we're going to go through as we go through this series are going to show us that the Holy Spirit, his moving and his operation in our lives and in the lives of the church and in the world is Christ's idea. He endorses this. His ministry role, meaning the Holy Spirit's role, is to edify. That means he teaches us, he instructs us. His role is to encourage us. He comforts us. What's the title of the sermon this morning? I will not leave you alone. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And He empowers us. He gives us power to live righteously. He gives us power to live and just deal with the day to day. But He also gives us boldness to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. I want to segue here just a moment before we get any further going down that direction. And if they could put up the, the scripture, Psalm 68, 18, this morning. And I apologize to the technology crew today because my slides are in a totally different order. And I'm just going a totally different direction. But they're smiling, so I think I'm okay. I won't get, I won't get put on probation today, hopefully. But I want to take a little trip this morning. And we're still talking about, I will not leave you alone. So hold on to that nugget. But I want to talk just a moment. We, we've talked through how Jesus died, rose again, then he ascended, sent the Holy Spirit, that whole narrative. But I want to look for just a moment about what did Jesus do while he was in the tomb, while he was dead. We don't talk a great deal about that either. What happened during those three days? Did he just lay there lifeless and limp and just out of it and unconscious and nothing going on? What happened during those three days of Christ's body being in the tomb? Look at Psalm 68, 18. Talking about Christ here, I love this because this is David And this is the Psalms. This is hundreds of years before it happened. It just again shows the narrative of of the gospel. He says, you have, he's talking about Christ, ascended on high. Now we just talked about that, didn't we? We just talked about the ascension. But now he goes backwards a little bit. And he says, before you ascended on high, you have led captivity captive. What in the world is David prophesying right there as the Holy Spirit inspired David to write these things? Let's let's talk about this for a moment. What is it when he says you have led captivity captive? They can leave that scripture just, just right there if they would like. You see, before Christ died, those who died were held in the heart of the earth. You've heard that term, right? The heart of the earth. You've heard the the story that Jesus told about the beggar, Lazarus, right? And the rich man. And said, Lazarus died and he went to Abraham's bosom. You remember that? Went to Abraham's bosom. Have you ever wondered what what in the world is Abraham's bosom? What, what, What are you talking about? The rich man died and lifted up his eyes being held in torment, right? And there was a great gulf, Between the the two, but they could see evidently each other. Because the rich man said, would you please send somebody to my brothers and tell them to repent so they don't come to this awful place. You remember that, that story. Well, that was the heart of the earth. There was a time when David, who wrote this psalm, had said, you will not leave my soul in hell. You will not leave my soul in Sheol or Hades. What was David talking about? This place down in the center of the earth, the heart of the earth, there were two compartments and there was a great gulf fixed. And those who were righteous or who had tried their best to serve God would go to this place, Abraham's bosom is what Jesus called it. Paradise is another term for it. Over here was the place of torment where the rich man in that story had, had gone and those who had rejected anything about God. And it was all held in the heart of the earth. And Satan and the evil forces controlled that area. Captivity, captive. So yes, it was a better place for Abraham and David and all the Old Testament saints. It was a better place, but it still wasn't heaven and paradise as what we are going to experience. And there was still some form of captivity because death was under the control of Satan. But when Jesus died, it says here, we're talking about the first part, the, he ascended on high. But before he ascended, he descended. He descended get that this morning before he ascended he descended those 3 days in the tomb Jesus went down into the heart of the earth and he preached to the captives and he led captivity captive and he brought them out he went down to hell itself to where the devil was and he took the keys right of death Hell and the grave. Can you think about that for just a moment? Can you think about this part over here? Those who had trusted God and served God. People like David who had said, I know you will not leave my soul in hell. I know that you'll come through for me. Who had prophesied so many hundreds of years later. Who had been in that place that we call paradise. But still waiting for the Messiah. And I don't know the people there, no doubt, talk to each other. We see that in Jesus' account. So no doubt, maybe David reminded them from time to time, just be patient. He'll not leave us here. Just be patient. He will not leave us here alone. Just be patient. God is going to send Messiah, and Messiah is coming for us. Just wait. Just be patient. I can imagine another Lazarus. Who showed up there one day. All this time that the Old Testament saints had been waiting. But one day Lazarus who was the brother of Mary and Martha. Right? The one that Jesus raised from the dead. From Bethany. One day Lazarus showed up there. I can only imagine what the conversation might have been. Maybe Lazarus said to them I believe he's on the earth now. I believe that maybe, just maybe, Messiah is walking among the earth just as right now. Maybe, just maybe, I saw him perform miracles. But there's one thing I just don't quite understand. My sisters sent him a Facebook message and said, Lazarus is about to die. And they copied it on his Twitter account. And and, and then they texted him. And for four days they tried to get him to come, but he didn't show up. And I died, and here I am. I just don't know. It seems like he has left me alone, but I really, really, really think he's the one. But has he left me alone? I think of John the Baptist, John Baptist, the forerunner of Christ prepared the way for the Lord, a voice crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist, the one that was inside of Elizabeth. when I just like to do this so I can waddle. Elizabeth, when she was expecting him, and Mary, right, came through the door, and Elizabeth said, when you came inside, he leaped in my womb. And the Bible said Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist, who was the voice crying and preaching repentance, Jesus' right hand man, even John the Baptist felt alone because towards the end he ended up in prison. And he looked at some of the disciples one day and he said, Hey, is he the one? Will you go ask him? Is he the Messiah? Is he the one? Should we seek for somebody else? He was probably waiting in the prison bars thinking, is he going to come and set me free and get me out of here? I'm his right-hand man. They went back to Jesus and they said, John Baptist, he's in prison. He's wondering what's going on. Are you the one or should he seek another? And Jesus said, you go tell John the Baptist that the deaf here and the blind see and the dead are raised again. And blessed, now get this, blessed, are those who are not offended on my account. Meaning, if you don't get your way, don't get offended. Can I say that in love to you this morning? Can I say that in love to me this morning? I know God is a miracle worker. He's a mountain mover. He can do everything. He can do anything. And He's done enough for me. And I know and I love Him. But I cannot get offended when He doesn't move and act and do as I think He should. And he said, John, don't get offended. But you know he didn't leave John alone. Yeah, John died. John died in that prison. John died because uh, his head was cut off, right? And was carried to Abraham's bosom. And I don't know what John said. Kind of like Lazarus. But maybe John the Baptist said to them... Hey, it might be close, it might be time for Psalm 68, 18 to to come through, but I just don't know because he didn't come and spring me out of jail. He didn't come through, I just don't know, but I saw the miracles and I, I know what my mother told me and I know what I saw and I know what the Holy Spirit inspired me to preach. And there they were, the Old Testament saints and Lazarus and the other Lazarus and John the Baptist, the heart of the earth. Captive because Satan had the keys of death and hell and the grave. One final person, if you'll indulge me, was a man who was a scoundrel. A man that if you put your apple pie in the windowsill, he would come by and take it. A thief. A thiefter, as they would say on the Andy Griffith show. A thiefter. A thief probably had always been at the wrong place at the wrong time. And he found himself one day dying on a cross beside of Jesus. And the one on the one side said what? Mocked him, scorned him, right? But this thief finally found himself at the right place at the right time. And he looked at Jesus and he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom And Jesus looked at him and get this. Jesus said to him, Today, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. The thief died. The thief died and was taken to Abraham's bosom. He was taken to that place of Sheol and Hades that we call paradise. Where John the Baptist was, where David was, where the Old Testament saints were. He died and he was taken there. And maybe, I don't know, I'm just, just speculating. But maybe when he got there he said, hey, listen up. I just heard from the Messiah. And he told me that today... I will be with him in paradise. Get your clothes on, boys. Get ready, boys. He's coming. And Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. His body was taken to the tomb. But Jesus himself, his very essence went down into the heart of the earth. Can you imagine the stir that went through that place? Can you imagine the terror on the part of the evil side? But the sheer joy over here when he came and he preached to the captives and he set them free. He did not leave them Alone. He went down further and he took the keys of death and hell and the grave away from the devil. And that is why, my friends, when I stand in a graveyard and I do a committal service for a child of God, I can read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and I can declare, Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That's what Jesus did. During those three days that his body laid in the tomb. And if I die in Christ, or if you die in Christ, or if somebody that we dearly, dearly, dearly loves dies in Christ. We don't have to get angry at God. We don't have to question God. We don't have to say you didn't answer my prayer. You didn't come through for me. He's already come through for them. He's already provided the resurrection and the life and because He lives, they shall live. We shall live also. That's what Jesus did in the heart of the earth. He did not leave us alone. If you go over to Ephesians 4, 8-11 the Apostle Paul and I'm going to close. The Apostle Paul gets in on this a little bit. He's pretty much saying the same thing that David had prophesied. David said it ahead of time. Paul's reiterating it after the fact. And Paul said, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. That's what we just talked about. And look at this last phrase. And he gave gifts to men and he gave gifts to men what are we talking about right there Paul goes on in that passage, if you read that passage out, and it's a little mysterious, I, I, I'll give it to you. It's a little mysterious, but, but he's basically saying he keeps going on and he talks about the gifts of ministry that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that it is a reference to say that Jesus came down, he led the captivity captive, he conquered death, hell, and the grave, but then he started giving gifts to his people. And he started by giving us the Holy Spirit who gives us gifts. He gave gifts to men. What does that mean then? You and I, as we wait for.